0: We stay standing for our last scripture reading. This is Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 49. And it was now the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit And having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, work in our hearts now. Help us to know the depth and the gravity of the cross of Jesus Christ. Help us to know in our hearts the price that you paid for our sins. Jesus, help us to love you more than we ever have. And I pray for every Christian in this room that they would not coast through a service, but would have their hearts undone by the power of the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those who are here that are not yet saved, may you cause them to be born again. May you cause them to repent To see the blood of Christ for them. Lord, we're asking you to do all these things by your power. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, and again, thank you for being at Good Friday Service. The sermon series that we're in is The Road to Easter, as you know. And my sermon title is time of death, 3 p.m. Now, when someone dies, normally there is a time of death recorded. For Jesus Christ, it was 3 p.m. In the middle of the afternoon, Christ breathed his last as he hung on the cross. And these last three hours is going to be the focus of my brief sermon. And as we do that, I want you to think with me just on a couple levels. I'm just going to share my heart tonight, and we're going to do communion, and God's going to be good. There's been a couple funerals that I've gotten to experience these last couple weeks. One, I was officiating for a baby. And it's so heart-wrenching to hear the cries of parents. And the cries of adults for a baby who barely got to experience this life. And just today, I was at a funeral, packed house for a teenager. And the amount of emotion in the room was palatable, as you can imagine. And as I sat next to my oldest daughter, and we took it all in, a funeral like that speaks loudly to the souls of everybody that's there. Christian, atheist, agnostic, secular, it doesn't matter, everybody is thinking about eternity and about God. And as that service happened, you think about the collision that's happening in the unseen realm, in the hearts and minds of the people that are there, of circumstances that surround the event, And the responses of people. And the responses at today's funeral were loud weeping and wailing. And you couldn't help but hear just during the recessional, the loud volume of teenagers weeping. And I wanted to hug every one of them. And tell them, the gospel. But here's the scripture that came to my mind. We were in the upper deck. As I heard the sound of weeping, I shared this with Marie afterwards. The scripture that came to my mind was Revelation. Chapter 21, where Jesus, it says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be a day when all tears are wiped away. Amen? Until then, we look at death as a unnatural tragedy, often. And there was no more tragic death than the death of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see it and feel it. Deep within your hearts. Because there were circumstances that surrounded the death of Christ and there were responses from people around the cross that are just absolutely powerful to us. And that's my my heart for you tonight is that the time of death for Jesus was three o'clock PM and his death involved powerful circumstances and very diverse responses Circumstance number one around the death of Christ was darkness. Darkness. Verse 44 and 45. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, and the sun's light failed. If you're not wowed by your Bible, read that verse again. It's noon. It's in the middle of the day. Most of you today were looking at the weather and you're like, I'm going to go for a walk in the sunshine today. Praise the Lord. It's About time we get a day like that in Iowa. Amen? It's noon. There is darkness over the whole land. The sun's light has failed. This divine supernatural darkness needs no excuse or no explaining away. God made it dark. That's all I can tell you. And not just normally dark, it was a thick darkness over the land. Why? Because the Son of God is being killed it 's evil. it is wrong. Jesus said it was the hour of darkness that 's what he said, and as this darkness exploded onto the scene, it just got unbelievably eerily, supernaturally dark around the cross. Joel chapter two, verse 31 says it this way. The sunlight will be turned to darkness and the moon to the color of blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Isaiah 5.30, Isaiah 60, verse two, Amos 5, 18 through 20, and Zephaniah 1, 14 through 18 talk about the darkness that accompanies the day of the Lord, the judgment of God. This supernatural darkness was accompanied by the curtain of the temple being torn in two. Some of you are like, what's the big deal? The curtain got torn. What? Okay. My bathroom shower curtain rips sometimes. This is not a big thing. This is a supernatural work of power. This curtain is 60 feet tall. 20 feet wide and according to rabbinical tradition, this curtain was two to four inches thick and it ripped from top to bottom. The judgment on the earth at this moment was so severe. It was supernatural and powerful and dark and crazy. The curtain barrier between God and man, between the Holy of Holies and the priest ripped No doubt the priests are freaking out. They are getting ready to take Passover lambs, slaughter them, and bring about the entire Passover ceremony to bear on that temple. And in the midst of their preparations, this curtain rips by the power of God. Indicating that the barrier between God and man has been severed. And now it comes through one man, Jesus Christ. Things are happening. The darkness is here. The death of the son of God is a dark event and very powerful. The second circumstance surrounding the death of Jesus is trust in verse 46. Trust. Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Jesus at the time of his death is trusting in the father fully and completely trusting in the father. He quotes Psalm 31 verse five into your hands. I commit my spirit, which is a Davidic Psalm where David is trusting in God completely, no matter the tyranny or the, the, the difficulties, the hardships that David was, was going through at that moment. David still trusted God and Jesus is the greater David. And in Psalm 31, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is something we need to note. In the midst of bearing the wrath of God, in the midst of taking all of your sins, all of them, think about all your sins for today. Today. Jesus took all of your thoughts and your imaginations and your hearts, desires, and all the things that were against him and in rebellion against him, he took not only today, but every day of your life. And he bore all of that sin on himself in this moment. And in that weight-bearing moment, he says, Father, into your hand, I commit my spirit. I trust you, God. Who is this man? Who is this Jesus? Who is this beautiful man? Who can endure this weight of sin and wickedness and still praise God? Still trust God. He's not you and me. I can tell you that right now. You know how you and I operate our lives? One thing goes wrong. This is the worst day. One person gets in our way. This is the worst day. I'm having the worst day. Two things don't go right for you. And you're like, I can't do this. I can't bear this. What is going on with my life? That is my heart. That's your heart too, right? Amen. We can't handle it. When one person wrongs us, we we struggle to forgive. Let alone, praise God, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Jesus is different than us. So different than us. I stand in awe of Jesus on the cross. He still has the mind to quote scripture. It's gone through so much physically. Physically. His body has been ripped apart and psychologically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all of these things, all on him, all on him in one moment. And he's still thanking God. I trust you, Father. I trust you. I don't know about you. If you have life goals, I have life goals. A life goal would be to say that prayer before I die. that's a life goal. Nobody's hurting more than Jesus. You're not hurting more than Jesus. So those are the circumstances. Now here are the quick responses to to Christ as he's dying. Response number 1 is praise. Verse 47. The centurion saw what had taken place. He praised God. He praised God, saying certainly this man was innocent. The first response of Jesus was the centurion and he praises the Lord, this Roman commander who is over the crucifixion of the son of God. He has been supervising the death of the greatest God man to ever walk on the earth. And he sees this man's innocence. He sees his purity. He sees his glory. And he says, this man was innocent. He not only says that, but in a parallel passage, we know that he said, this man truly was the son of God. A centurion, big, powerful, strong, muscle man is undone when he looks at the cross of Christ. And he praises God. He praises God. Jesus works through the hard heart of a big, tough guy. There's some tough guys in this in this room. You're a tough guy. You don't show any emotion. You're you're tough. You're a big strong person. Jesus Christ can see right through you. Right through you. And he can break you in a moment. Some of you tough guys need to meet Jesus. And you need to say, This man was innocent. This man died for my sins. Now, he's not alone. The centurion is not alone in in declaring that Jesus is innocent. He joins a pretty long list. Pilate, four times, Pilate said, I find no guilt in this man. The wicked Herod, I mean, Herod even, that fox, you remember the fox. That fox said he's done nothing deserving death. And then the thief on the cross just a few minutes earlier had said, we deserve what we're getting. This man has done nothing wrong. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Praise. What a cool thing. In the midst of this horrific darkness, Jesus is still saving sinners. What an amazing thing. You know, he's still saving sinners in 2023. Amen. Still doing it. So response one is praise. Response two is shame. The second response to the cross of Christ is shame. All the crowds that were assembled for the spectacle, they returned home beating their breasts like this over and over again. Because it's a sign of lamentation. It's a sign of guilt. It's a sign of shame. It's a sign of that's not Right. It is a physical way to express what is not right. And it reflects Luke 18. The Pharisee and the tax collector both go to church. The Pharisee says, I'm the best guy ever. I pray. I go to church. I do all the spiritual things. And the tax collector, you remember what he did? He beat his breast like this. He can't even look up to heaven. He said, Be merciful to me, God, a sinner. The crowd knows that something terrible has just taken place and they can do nothing but experience this, this shame, this guilt. And they, they hit their chest in lamentation saying, that is wrong. Whatever that is, it's wrong. The final response to Jesus on the cross is a silent distance. Verse 49 all of his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. The third response to Jesus' death as was a silent distance from his followers. His acquaintances and the female followers stayed at the cross, but they were far away and they just stood there in silence. To fulfill Psalm 38, verse 11. Where it says, because of my condition, even my friends and my acquaintances kept their distance. My neighbors stood far away. There was nothing left to say. Jesus was dead. God died. And so the acquaintances and the <coughs> females, they were there, but they were, they were so discouraged. They were so confused. They were so hurt. that they stood far away. And you know, sometimes that's what we do as believers. There's nothing left to say. Jesus is dead. My sin killed him. My rebellion against God killed the greatest person ever to walk on the earth. It was me. And there's nothing left to say except stand and watch. And those ladies were faithful, (coughs) they stood and watched. They stayed there all night. They watched Joseph of Arimathea take him down. They walked over to the tomb. They stood far away as Jesus was put in the tomb and buried. And they would come on Sunday morning. And they would be the first ones there. But for them, at the moment that Jesus died, they stood far away. So as we go to communion, at the time of Jesus' death, 3 p.m., There were some powerful circumstances of darkness and trust going on. There were some very diverse responses of praise and shame and silent distance. As we go to communion, believer, this this is what he did for us. This is what he did for us. You get to do communion. You don't have to. You get to. This is what he did. He bled, he died, he paid the price. He endured the wrath of God because he really, really loves you. So as we go to communion, don't waste your opportunity. This is a time of focus. This is a time of remembrance. This is a time of worship. So if you're a Christian, this is the time to go and consider all these things. And if you don't know Christ, don't don't do communion. Don't do it. Sit in your chair, get saved. Repent, believe in Jesus. Do it, do it now, right? You can pray with me. I'll pray a prayer of faith. But this is, a, this is a holy moment. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're just gonna go straight back. We're gonna get our elements, come back, and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word, Jesus, the depth. Of what you did at the time of death, 3 p.m., is so ridiculous. It is life-changing. It's world-changing. And Lord, that you would save any sinner in this in this world is, is a miracle. That we are saved by your grace. That we, who are believers, get to go and celebrate communion. And think about your perfect life and your your death on the cross and the depth of that reality, the depth of that love. Lord, we are privileged. Help us to focus and confess. Lord, if there's anybody here that's not a Christian, I pray that they would pray with me now. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I've offended you. I'm under your wrath. I'm under your punishment. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for saving my soul. Please forgive me of my sins. I repent. I change my mind. I change my direction. I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to go towards eternal life. I want to receive salvation. Lord, save me now. Save me now by grace. In Jesus' name. So Lord, as we go to communion now, bless us as we go. Do great works inside of us. Christ's name.